0: Well, good morning everybody uh, it is so good to be with you all it feels like I haven't been here for a while or it feels like I haven't preached in a while and it's always um, a pleasure and an honor to do so um, whenever I whenever I get a chance to and I just I just always get so excited and I always just want to say just I always like to say off the bat just how much you all mean to me personally. Is that um, there? Th- there is no other place for me personally that I would rather be than in a community like Spirit of Christ. Um, that we we love we love Jesus together. We pray together, and the Lord does incredible things in and through us. And so I just love I just love being here on a Sunday morning, and especially in light of you know Fourth of July, got a little bit of. Red, white, and blue on today, so um, just you know gotta gotta rep you know the the holiday weekend um but uh, la- I- I- this month, this month for me is a month of preaching and teaching and all those things. And so last week I was at um, a ministry on the other side of town called Hope Christian Ministries International, preaching and teaching for their Youth Day. And then I'm here today. And then next week I'm preaching at my dad's church, Trinity Church, which is super, super exciting. Um, and, then, and then I'll be preaching again the week after that. So I'm kind of here and there a little bit, um, and the Lord's just opening doors just for me to preach and teach. And, you know, it's just about—that's my calling. That's what the Lord has called me to do. And it's just one yes at a time, one step of obedience at a time. And I'm just excited for what the Lord is doing in particular. Um, and I'm also excited about today's message because this is something that the Lord has been touching my heart with afresh. And, uh, I mean, it's one of the most basic things we hear it from, you know, uh, church ministry or, you know, kids church all the way up to, you know, adult church and all that is the love of God. And like, I'm just, I, my heart is getting touched afresh with the revelation of how God feels about us. And many of you all know that I have, you know, I I read the Bible fairly frequently in regards to my reading schedule. And one of my favorite teachers, Mike Bickle, he uh, challenges, you know, the younger folk. He says, study God's emotions. And as you study God's emotions throughout scripture, it'll change the way that you see God, it'll change the way that you feel in those things. And ever since I've begun my 30 by 30 journey or my Bible reading journey, I've always wanted to do that, but there was never a right time to do so. But in my last reading, it was as if a light bulb just went off in me and the Lord just gave, like the spirit of wisdom and revelation hit my heart. And I began to recognize and uncover how God feels. And it's been rocking my world. And the truth that I want to bring to light today is that, um, and the title, the title of today's message is Growing in Our Beloved Identity in God's End-Time Drama, in his end-time narrative. And because we're in this series called The Coming of the Son of Man. And we're talking about, you know, the end of the age, the coming of Jesus. And, you know, for, for a lot of us, we're familiar with some, with some of the, you know, teachings, You know that IHOP might have done, or you know that other teachers in the body of Christ might teach on. But the thing that I want to highlight and emphasize today, uh, for those of us who are just beginning in our journey in studying and uncovering things about the coming of Jesus, the day of the Lord, uh, you know, the end of the age, and things of that sort, is that the the most important thing that we need to recognize as we begin studying these things is how God feels about us is the most important thing that we need to realize is that we are beloved by God. Because that'll change. That'll change the. That'll change the way that we see this end-time drama. Like, a, you know, we we some you know, like looking at the end of the age and all the things that will happen. We see in Matthew 24, Matthew 25. You know, you see, we see a lot of things in Revelation. And sometimes when we when we uh, read and study those things, it could kind of scare us a little bit. You know, I have this. I have uh, there's this one time I was at Schuller's bookstore. And, you know, I was in high school and I went and they had um, in the, you know, spirituality section and all that in the Christianity uh, bookshelf, there's this <laughs> comic book that that somebody took time to illustrate all the creatures and all that stuff in the book of Revelation. And, you know, like I couldn't read it for like two years because, I, you know, like in high school, I'm like, man, I have no idea what's going on. And for some of us, the book of Revelation may be like that, in which it's, you know, full of strange creatures you know, strange events and all of these different things. But our focus, the book of Revelation, that's what we're uh, touching on a little bit today. The book of Revelation is not a revelation of the Antichrist. It's not a revelation of the evil of the end of the age. But the book of Revelation is a revelation of the man, Christ Jesus. It is a revelation of his beauty. It's a revelation of who he is as bridegroom, king, and judge. And one of the keys to comprehending and understanding end-time concepts and themes is to grow in our beloved identity, knowing how cherished we are by God. And the thing that I like to say, or I mean actually, this is probably my first time saying it, (laughs) Is is that studying the end times doesn't take the mind of a scholar, though studying is good, but it takes the heart of a lover. Studying the end times doesn't take the mind of a scholar, but it takes the heart of a lover. And that is what we're focusing on today just as we begin to dive into a little bit more of the things of Revelation, the book of Revelation, is that we would become lovers of God. And as we grow in deeper intimacy, as we grow in deeper fellowship with God, then the unfolding of the end time events will become a lot clearer to us and we'll feel safe within his love And so before I just hop in right here, um, I just want to pray for us really quick that our, we're just going to pray and ask the Lord just to expand our hearts in love. That we would begin to see the way that he unfolds his end time plan, his end time narrative in in a new light, in a clearer way. So Father, we come before you saying thank you, Lord, for your son. Thank you for sending your son on the cross, Lord, to uh, make a way for us to fellowship with you, to be intimate with you. Lord, I'm asking that you would touch all of our hearts this morning, that you would enlarge our hearts with a greater capacity to understand your end-time Plans, your end-time narrative, Lord, as lovers of God. Lord, that we would become that we would become wholehearted lovers of God this morning, Lord, that we would continue to take steps forward to loving you with all of our heart, with all of our mind, with all of our strength, with all of our soul. Lord, we're asking that you would enlarge our capacity this morning in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. So the first things first that I want to point out, and like I said, is that one of the keys to comprehending end time concepts and themes is to grow in our beloved identity. How, how cherished we are by God. And the, the way that this actually came to me is I was just reading one day and I was in the book of Daniel and I remember, I, I just remember it hitting me like I had never seen it before, is that three times Daniel was called beloved by God by the angel, by the angel Gabriel. You know, like that's just one of like, I mean, I've never seen an angel before, let alone the angel Gabriel, you know, he's like the, one of the highest, you know, ranking angels in, I don't, I don't know all, you know, angelology and all of that stuff, (laughs) but, but, you know, he's pretty high up there, you know, he came to Daniel, gave him end time revelation, and, you know, he came to Mary, announced the coming, the birth of the coming king, and all of these things, but Daniel Three times by the angel Gabriel was told, oh man, you are greatly beloved by God. You are greatly beloved by heaven," and and he, and Daniel was a man who had significant end-time revelation. Daniel was a man who had significant understanding. Um, not not full on comprehension, but but just pure revelation, heavenly revelation of God's end time plan, end time narrative, and, uh, uh, and he's passing out the notes right here for you all to follow along if you would like, and and I'm in I'm in paragraph Roman numeral one paragraph A, is that the the prophet Daniel? He was a man who was who who was known and loved by God. And he knew that because the angel Gabriel told him three times, (laughs) you know. Only take an angel one, it should take an angel one time, but he told him three times, oh man, greatly beloved by God. Oh man, greatly beloved by heaven. But the truth of the matter is this, is that you can't study the book of Daniel without studying the book of Revelation. And the man who wrote the book of Revelation was the apostle John, the beloved disciple of Jesus. You know, he was the only disciple in all of the company to say, "Oh, I'm I'm his favorite. I'm the one that Jesus loves the most." John knew how loved he was by Jesus. John knew how cherished he was by God. And this is what and this is what I write here in paragraph A and talking about the prophet and the apostle is that the prophet Daniel and the apostle John were men who received profound Revelation regarding God's end time plan, and they also knew how beloved they were by God. And I think that there is a dynamic connection between knowing out how, how cherished we are by God, knowing and growing in our depth of knowing how loved and how cherished, how beloved we are by God, and understanding God's end time narrative, God's end-time plan, that there is a dynamic connection between the two, and uh, I'm just reading here in Daniel 10, uh, verse 11, it's in those notes there. It says this, and he said to me, O Daniel, man greatly beloved, understand the words that I speak to you and stand upright, for I have now been sent to you. And so Daniel was a man greatly beloved by God. John, the apostle, knew how loved he was by God, and both of those men had extremely profound revelation of God's end time plan. And I, pre- and I want to present the same thing to us today, is that in order for us to grow in our understanding of the coming of the Son of Man, how many of you all know Jesus is coming back, and he's coming back soon, <laughs> And when he talks, and Jesse has talked about this a little bit over the past couple weeks, is that, you know, he gives that Olivet Discourse, where he talks about the end time narrative in Matthew 24 and 25, and in that Matthew 24, he talks about the love of many growing cold. And I believe that the Lord is going to set his church, set his people on fire, in fiery in love for him, with him, the whole thing, so that we can stand with confidence when these things begin unfolding. So that, we would, so that we won't, when, when the world is beginning to crumble, when all of these things are happening, that we won't shrink back in fear, but that we can stand in confidence because we know we're loved by the one who's unfolding the plan of redemption. Is that he loves us, he cherishes us, and he, uh, and, and he, and he, and he loves us. And I don't want to, th- th- this next statement, I, I don't want to make too big of a deal about um, because you know, many of you all know that I, I really look up to Mike Bickle, but he's, you know, like he's, you know, he has a special heart, special place in my heart just because of the ministry in IHOP and all of those things. But I wanna, I just kind of wanna highlight just a modern day kind of person who exemplifies this because I don't think it's a coincidence that the Lord sovereignly and, um, Uh, providentially and divinely gives Mike Bickle the song of Solomon in which he has touched the heart of God for the love of God for a whole generation. And also the Lord has given him profound Found revelation about God's end time plan, in which His team has uncovered and discovered 150 chapters dealing with the end times, and so I'm just, I'm just, I'm just setting, I'm just saying that He's an example of the the dynamic connection between the love of God, and understanding his end-time narrative. And that is the way that we ought to live. That's the way that the body of Christ ought to live, is that we ought to dive deeper into the heart of God and his love for us so that we can understand his leadership in the end times. And my question to you all today is, do you know how much God loves you? (laughs) My question to you all this morning is, do you know how much God loves you? Because I'm just beginning the journey. <laughs> it was like a, about a week ago that I saw John three sixteen like it was the first time. <laughs> you know, uh, actually, I just, I just want to rattle off a few verses that talk about the love of God and how much he cherishes us, how much he loves us. So if you have a copy of the scriptures... Turn with me to John (laughs) 3.16. It's one of those passages, it's one of those verses that we hear so often. And Jesus, he's talking to Nicodemus. And he says this, he says this phrase here in John 3.16. He says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. That first phrase there, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son. And the power of this verse is this, is I've, I've gotten the privilege to read through the Bible and kind of get, you know, a, a really high, like 30,000 foot view of of the bible and the gist of it is you know is that we we're, we're messed up <laughs> that humanity humanity is messed up you know we we mess up time and time again and the wickedness that's on the earth is astounding like from the time of genesis 3 and the unfolding of what is happening in the earth it's there are th- there are things in the bible that that when you read it, it makes you feel uncomfortable because of the evil that, that, that has unfolded throughout history. But the power of John 3.16 is this, is that, is that when God looks at the world, his emotional disposition towards us is not one of wrath, it's not one of hate, it's not one of displeasure, but it's one of love is that when God looks at the world and all of the corruption and all of the evil, all of the heinousness, all of the stuff that has gone wrong, the, the, the warfare that's going on in the earth, the bloodshed, the lying, the corruption, and all of these things, God's emotional disposition towards us is not hate or wrath, but it is love. And I'm here to preach and declare to you all today that God's emotional disposition towards you, let's make it a little bit more personal, whether you sinned last night, whether you sinned last week, whether it was something that you regret some time ago, or whether it's you're, un- you're aware of how messed up and how broken you are, God feels love and, um, and, and compassion and mercy towards us, not the opposite. This is key to understanding God's end time plans because the outworking of God's end, times, end time plan isn't one primarily of wrath, but it's one of working out love and redemption for the sake of the world. That this is what, that this is what God is, uh, is, is unfolding in the earth, and it's, just, it's this John three sixteen. That he so loved us, that he so loved us that he gave his son. But this is this is where it gets really good. Because because later on in John, Jesus, Jesus talks about, he says, nobody forces me to give up my life. I choose to give my life because oh man this is i this is this is where I this is where I'm getting really really excited okay 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 all right turn with me to John 15 turn with me to John 15 this is where it gets really really good because this is what this, this is what this is what Jesus says in John 15 verse 9 he says this he says this he says as the father oh my goodness as the father loved me I also have loved you. With the same intensity that the Father loves Jesus, Jesus has that same intensity of fiery love and passion towards us. That the same love and the same flame of divine love that the Father has toward his Son that he has toward his son, his only begotten son, the same love that he has towards Jesus, he has, Jesus has towards us. But check this out in John 17, 23, and this just hit me this week. This, this, this hit me just this week. is John 17, 23, it says this. I in them and you in me, that they may be made perfect in one And that the world may know that you have sent me, Jesus is talking to the Father, and have loved them as you have loved me. So it's not only that Jesus loves us with the same intensity that the Father loves him, but the Father himself loves us with the same intensity that he loves Jesus. And and, and this is just the bottom line, is that the divine community loves us with the same love that they love one another with. (laughs) Like, just let that sink in just for a little bit. That the Father and the Son, the, the eternal, infinite other than love that they have towards one another, they love us with the same intensity. They love us with the same passion. They love us with the same, with, in, in, in all of our brokenness, in all of our messed upness, in all of our mistakes, in all of our sin, in all of our transgression, in all of our iniquity, they love us so much that the father sent his son and the son out of love said, I will give my life willingly to get them into what we have. <laughs> he said, he, the father was like, I want them with me. The only way to get them with me to, is is through, is through the sacrifice of my son. And Jesus says, you don't got to beg me. I will go because I love them with the same love that you love me with. And so he goes and he gives his life. And my question is, do you know how much God loves you this morning? (laughs) That he gave his one and only son that we would be with them where they are, enjoying the fellowship that they have. And so understanding God's love for God is the key to understanding God's love for us. That's a powerful statement. That understanding God's love for God, God the Father, loving God the Son, understanding that dynamic between them is the key to understanding how much they love us. And the Apostle Paul understood this, and he wrote it down in the holy word of God for all of eternity, that we would grow in the knowledge of the incomprehensible love of God. And he wrote wrote this in Ephesians 3, verse 16 to 19. And he says this, that he would grant you, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with might through his spirit in the inner man, that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you being rooted and grounded in, the love, in, in love may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the width and length and depth and height to know the love of Christ, which surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. The apostle Paul wants us to grasp how much we are loved by God, and it's necessary for understanding God's end-time plan, is that when we see him through this lens, everything becomes clear, everything becomes clear, and so talking about becoming lovers. (laughs) That was was paragraph A, but I won't keep us long here. I won't keep us long. But paragraph B in the notes is becoming lovers, is that our capacity to comprehend God's end-time plan will increase as we grow in love and intimacy with Jesus. That studying the end-time narrative does not require the mind of a scholar, but the heart of a lover, like I said earlier. And Jesse talked about this a little bit last week about getting oil about getting oil, and I want to encourage us to become lovers of God, to become lovers of God. And I want to point out something. I want to point out something that I just kind of thought about last night, or this morning, or two days ago. I don't know when, but it was recent. (laughs) 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 Is that both Daniel and the Apostle John Received profound end time revelation. They were both men who who knew that they were loved by God. They, like the angel Gabriel comes to Daniel says, "Man, greatly beloved by God." The apostle John says, "I'm, God, I'm you know I'm Jesus' favorite. I'm his beloved disciple." <laughs> but and both both of those men had both of those revelations. But they were also older men when they became when they got the like the big end time revelation stuff. And what that means is a life of consistency. That's what that means, is that the apostle John, when, he, when, when Jesus first called him when he was probably in his teenage years or early 20s, and then he gets the book of Revelation when he's almost like 90 years old or something like that, it's about a lifetime of, of consistency in in, in, in growing in love and intimacy with God. It's not just about, okay, yeah, we heard a great message, or yeah, we, you know, we, you know, I love God, and, you know, you're on fire for a couple years. But it's about having a lifestyle over decades that says I am committed to the place of prayer, and I'm committed to loving God with all of my heart, soul, mind, and strength. And this is the kind of life that I want to live, you know, I'm I'm 25 years old right now, and I want to be like Daniel. I want to be like John, where they have a life of consistency of growing in intimacy with God and understanding their beloved identity, and that allows them to speak with clarity to the end time narrative that God is unfolding. This is the life that I want to live, and uh, and this is just this is just something that I'm inspired by. And so how do we become lovers of God is, number one, I I have it here, and this is kind of like the application point. I just want to touch on just Revelation 1 just just really, really quick, nothing nothing too long, Um, but the the first commandment, that the first commandment has end-time implications because it calls us to love and to be loved by the one behind the plan of redemption, And Jesus says, you know, you shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, and with all of your mind. This is the first and great commandment. So that's the first way that we grow and become lovers of God is by making the first commandment first place in our life. Is that loving God with everything that we are is the highest priority of every believer. It ought to be the highest priority of every believer is growing deeper in the first commandment. And the second way that we grow in intimacy with the Lord and in love with him is prayer. Is the primary way that we grow in love and intimacy with Jesus is through talking with him or conversing with him. You know, Daniel, he had a prolific prayer life, praying three times a day, probably since his, like, 20s or something like that. Like you know, like we 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 at the house of prayer, you don't know, have like a prayer meeting, you know, one, you know every weekday. Daniel, he he was like he's like I'm taking it up a notch. I'm in the kingdom of Babylon, and he's like I'm not about to be defiled by this kingdom here. He's like I'm praying three times a day, and um, and I just I, I, that's what I want to live like. I want to live like Daniel. There's this there there's a couple times where I was in a Luango prayer meeting, and you know th- those things get pretty rowdy, and uh, it was back in 2018, and it was kind of funny. That you know, uh, Lou Angle, we were praying, for, I forget what we were praying for. We prayed a lot. Um, we were also a mile high, and they called a three day fast. And so I was like pretty lightheaded, I didn't really know what was going on around me. But I remember this one moment where I was, I found myself standing next to Lou Angle. You know, he's like, you know, he's praying, and you know, all that stuff, rocking, you know, how he does, he's rocking back and forth. He lays his hand on my chest. And he's, or, or, or I'm kneeling, or he lays his hand on my chest or head or something like that. He touches me. And he's like, he's like, God, you know, give him ten times the wisdom of Daniel, you know, like that kind of thing. And I'm like, I have no idea what that means, but I receive it. <laughs> I, was like, I have no idea what that means, but it was actually it was. It, but it was actually so crazy because uh, a couple years later, I'm in Colorado Springs again, and so this is this is two years after that experience. Uh, and, you know, I mean, it, this is a more intimate prayer meeting setting, and, you know, just the spirit of prayer just breaks out in the meeting. Justin was there. We, we had the Contend, uh, it was the Contend Colorado Retreat, and just the spirit of prayer just breaks out. Everybody's wailing. Everybody's going crazy, going hard, and I'm in the back. Lou Angle's, you know, moving, stepping around the crowd and all that stuff. He's laying hands on people, praying. And he and he comes back to me, lays his hand on my chest again, two years after the first experience. He says, "God, make him like Daniel, you know like and, and so like so but this is two separate experiences. I don't know Lou Engel personally. And I so it's just like one of those things where I'm like, okay, I think the Lord is highlighting. The spirit of prayer and character and wisdom and revelation in god 's end time plan and all of these things like daniel and i 'm saying that I, this is what this is what we 're called to be as a church this is what we 're called to be is people who fellowship with God in the place of prayer, people who understand that we 're loved by him, where we keep the first commandment in first place, and then when all of these things matthew twenty four you know the the Uh, Daniel uh, prophetic scriptures and all those things in Revelation when these things are unfolding that we can stand with confidence knowing that God loves us in the midst of it it's about growing in our beloved identity in God and we do that by the first commandment and by the place of prayer and so I just want to just as as we're closing here I want to wrap up with talking just, just very, very briefly about Revelation 1 um, because that's where we're going to be camping and going through a little bit in these next, in these next uh, weeks here. And Revelation 1 is a, is a chapter that I've been marked with uh, a lot, actually, and because it is beginning to unveil the glory and the beauty of Christ Jesus, That it's beginning to unveil what he is, who he's like in his glory. And John, the beloved disciple, gets this end time revelation, gets this revelation of who Jesus is. And he's just completely undone by the beauty of Jesus. And that's where we need to be. We need to be a people who are ravished and ravishly and just our hearts are just ravished by Jesus and that we're undone done by his beauty, because that's, that's what it's going to be like when he splits that sky, when he comes back and he returns, is that, that every eye will see the beauty of the glory and the glory of the Son of God. And so I just want to read Revelation 1, 9 through 20, and we're just going to just, just take a look um, at, at Jesus's, just the, the beauty that's unveiled in this, and then we'll close in, and we'll close in prayer. This is what it says in Revelation chapter 1. um, I'll actually just read the first three verses and then hop over to verse 9. It says this, the revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave him to show his servants, things which must shortly take place. And he sent and and signified it by his angel to his servant John, who bore witness to the word of God and to the testimony of Jesus Christ to all things that he saw. Blessed is he who reads and those who hear the words of this prophecy and keep those things which are written in it, for the time is near. This is what it says in verse 9. I, John both your brother and companion in the tribulation and kingdom and patience of Jesus Christ was on the island that is that is called Patmos for the word of God and for the testimony of Jesus Christ I was in the spirit on the Lord's day and I heard behind me a loud voice as of a trumpet saying I am the alpha and the omega the first and the last And what you see, write in a book and send it to the seven churches, which are in Asia, to Ephesus, to Smyrna, to Pergamos, to Thyatira, to Sardis, to Philadelphia, and to Laodicea. Then I turned to see the voice that spoke with me. And having turned, I saw seven golden lampstands. And in the midst of the seven lampstands, one like the Son of Man, clothed with a garment down to the feet and girded about the chest with a golden band. His head and hair were white like wool as white as snow and his eyes like a flame of fire his feet were like fine brass as if refined in a furnace and his voice as the sound of many waters he had his right hand seven star- he had in his right hand seven stars out of his mouth went a sharp two-edged sword and his countenance was like the sun shining in its strength and when i saw him i fell at his feet as dead but he laid his right hand on me saying to me Do not be afraid. I am the first and the last. I am he who lives and was dead, and behold, I am alive forevermore. Amen. And I I have the keys of Hades and of death. Write these things which you have seen, and the things which are, and the things which will take place after this. The mystery of the seven stars which you saw in my right hand, and the seven golden lampstands. The seven stars are the angels of the seven churches, and the seven lampstands which you saw are the seven churches." And that's what John saw. He saw that that veil was taken back just a little bit. And he saw Jesus for who he is in his beauty and his glory. And the truth of the matter is that that, he is the only man worthy to take that scroll from the right hand of God. And the good news is that he loves us. (laughs) The good news is that we're cherished by him. The good news is is that his emotional disposition towards us is not one of disappointment it's not one of anger it's not one of wrath but it's love so much so that he gave his life so that we could enter into that fellowship that love that he and the father share do you know how loved you are by god do you know how loved you are by the father and the son they gave, And the way that we know, the way that we know that, and the way that we experience, the way that we know and experience the love of God, it says in Romans 5.5, 5, it's by the Holy Spirit, is that the Holy Spirit sheds the love of God upon our hearts. He sheds the love of God upon our hearts that we would understand, grow, and increase in our beloved identity. And as we do, I believe we'll begin to see God's end-time plans a little bit clearer. I believe that we'll be able to see God's end-time narrative in a way that is biblically accurate. And it's amazing what, uh, what he's called us to. So I want to invite us to stand as we wrap here, wrap up here. And I just really want to pray that the Lord, and really really, what this is, is touching the heart of the bridegroom. It's the bridegroom message. That we would understand that Jesus cherishes us and loves us with the same passion that a bridegroom does his bride. That, that, his, that his love for us is unquenchable. It's a flame. It's, it says in the Song of Solomon, it's the very flame of Yah. the, The flame of love is the very flame of God. So I just want to pray that the Lord would touch us this morning with a new understanding, a fresh understanding of his love for us. Yes, Father, we come before you recognizing that you love us, that this is success, that understanding and comprehending your love for us and towards us is success. So God, I'm asking according to John 3.16, according to John 15.9, according to John 17.23, Lord, that you would help us understand how much we are loved by you, how cherished we are by you, And Lord, that as we continue on in this series, as we continue understanding and uncovering your end time plan, your end time narrative, even though we may not understand everything, even though we may not comprehend everything, Lord, I'm asking that you would enlarge our hearts, that you would enlarge our capacity to understand your love for us and how beloved we are by you. Lord, I'm asking that this would not just be a one-time thing that we hear and move on with, but that this would be a lifetime kind of thing. That this would be a lifetime, Lord, in which you um, would begin to stir us and touch us. And that you would strengthen us in your love. So, Lord, I'm asking that you would give us an understanding of how you love, how the Father loves the Son, and how the Son loves the Father, and how that potency, how that love is directed towards us. Would you touch our hearts afresh, Lord? Would you touch our hearts anew this morning? All-consuming fire